The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Good morning. It is uh, a privilege for us to be here this morning, to be in the presence of the Lord. Um, This morning we'll be reading and studying through Psalms 46. Um, If you do not have a Bible, there is a chair Bible under the chair in front of you. Psalms 46 is found on page 471. So if you will, stand with me as we read the word of God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, God, we are just so thankful to be in your presence this morning. We are overwhelmed by your goodness and your faithfulness. So Father, I pray that you will open our eyes to this truth that you are with us and that you are a strong and safe refuge. Father, I, I need you this morning. I rely on you, I rest in you, that your word may go forth and be exalted. It is Jesus Christ we proclaim. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So go back to the year with me, 1527. Pastor Chad just mentioned it. Martin Luther, a key figure in church history, is in a desperate struggle. Many scholars say that this is the most difficult year of his life. He has been forced from the pulpit due to dizzy spells. And more than once he has approached the brink of death due to sickness. To compound matters, the Black Plague has just moved into Germany and it has spread into his hometown. Many flee, but he, his wife, and his children stay. They believe that it is their duty to take care of the sick. Though his wife pregnant and his children small, 
They do not reject their call to be Christ in the earth. So instead, they transformed their home into a hospital. They watched as their friends and loved ones died brutal deaths. And in the midst of all this, their worst fears were realized when their one-year-old son became desperately ill. It was here, broken, hopeless, and fearful, death surrounding him on every side that Luther was driven to take refuge in God like never before. It was this psalm that he clung to, Psalms 46. He took the words and he wrote the hymn that we just sang earlier, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. In the midst of desperation, he hoped in God. And that is what the psalm is calling us to do this morning. This is a quote. In the darkest times, he used to say, come, let us sing the 46th psalm and let them do their worst. He says, we sing, to the, we sing the psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and he powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his words against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, against the assaults of the world, the flesh, and sin. You see, Luther had experienced God as a refuge just as the psalmist had. And he understood this truth, that the God of 1000 BC, whom the Israelites took refuge in, was the same God in 1527. And guess what, saints? That is the God of today. So the main idea here this morning is this. In the midst of chaos, in the broken world, God invites us to rest in who he is. We will examine two things primarily. We will see how the children of Israel rest in the midst of tribulation. And secondly, we will unpack the implications for his church as we draw nearer to Christ's return. We will start with the former. We rest in the refuge of God because he will be exalted in the midst of a broken world. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The very first words of this psalm issue a challenge to us. God is our refuge and strength. This is the confession of all who believe. That God is my refuge. God is my strength. Can you say that this morning? Before we even complete the first sentence, let us pause and be challenged by the word of God. Is God our refuge? When the earth gives way, when the mountains are thrown into the heart of the sea, when the seas roar, and when the circumstances of life seem more than we can bear, is God our refuge? Do we run to him? Do we cling to him? The psalmist says that God is our refuge, not armies or fortresses, not marriages or 401ks. God alone is our all in all. All other refuges are refugees of lies. And all of the strength is weakness. So we run to him in the midst of chaos. We do. We live in a broken world. Things are not as they should be. 
There is poverty everywhere we look and sickness and suffering surround us, the pillars of our society, things previously immovable. Marriage and family have seemingly been thrown into a sea. So Christian, what will we do? Church, what will we do? Will we fear? Will we be anxious? Will we turn from God? By no means. We must say with the psalmist in verse 2, we shall not fear. It is beautifully fitting that we as God's people get to confess this, that he is our God, he is our refuge, he is our strength. And as his people, we confess both his grandeur as God and his nearness as Father. You see, not only is he our refuge and our strength, but he is our help. In weakness, we are strong. When poor, we are rich. When brought low, we are exalted. And when afflicted, we are comforted because God is. God is our help. This cannot be overstated. It feels repetitive, but read the words. Let them fall weightily on you. Look at verse 1. Put your eyes on the scripture. God is refuge. God is strength. God is help. God is Therefore, we shall not fear because God is. See this, brothers and sisters. This is not we do not fear because we have a great faith. No, this is we do not fear because the one in whom our faith relies is great. We do not fear because we have a great God. God is the focus of this song. So let me just pause and say that God is big enough for your problems. Some of you don't believe that, right? Like, not my problem. Listen, especially your problem. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've hurt. You don't know what I'm facing when I go home. And to that I say, you're right, I don't, but I know God. And I say with the psalmist, therefore, because of who God is, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble, though we live in a broken world, we need not fear. Now, as we transition to verse 4, see the distinction of it. See how it is almost abrupt. Look at verse 4. It says this. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. I want to point our attention to a couple of things. First, brothers and sisters, there is a city here and now for us. It is his people and his church. This city is of God's design, Building, election, purchasing, and indwelling. This church will be sustained by his streams and be glorified by his presence. Listen, brothers and sisters, there is a unique way that God satisfies his people amongst his people. There are gladdening streams here for you today. Be made glad and be satisfied in him. Let us drink deeply of the streams when we enter God's house and be satisfied in the worship of music and in the worship of preaching. These streams 
flow in us, with us, among us. Commentators liken these streams to those in the Garden of Eden. One sustained a garden, the other a city. And being amongst God's people should draw our minds from God's plan of redemption from beginning to end. And we see here restoration on the horizon. And it flows directly into verse 5 as it says that God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So brothers and sisters, read the words. God is in the midst of us. Oh God, may we not take that for granted. Let this wash over us this morning in the midst of doubt and fear and pain that this truth, though mountains be moved, though the earth be moved, those who rest in Christ will never be moved. We have an immovable hope. We see this in Hebrews 6, 17 through 19. It says this, So when God desired to show more convincingly to his heirs, to the heirs of his promise, that is us, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. So see this, saints, those who run to God for refuge have an immovable hope. Even in the midst of a chaotic world, God is with us, and he is enough. And hear me, brothers and sisters, he helps. He helps in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. And though the text is not guaranteeing us health, wealth, and happiness, it does guarantee the steadfast love of a faithful father for those who find refuge in him. When the morning dawns, he will be there. We need not fear. We see this tangibly in the people of Israel. They have been enslaved for years under Egypt and the Lord sends Moses, and after plague after plague, Pharaoh relents. The people of Israel go off into the, to um, Mount Sinai that they may worship the Lord their God. And in the midst of this, Pharaoh decides that he has made a grave mistake. So he sends the mighty army of Egypt after the children of Israel. Many of us are familiar with the story. The Lord parts the Red Sea, and the children of Israel cross on dry land. Pharaoh's armies follow after them, and we pick up here in Exodus 14, 27. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. As the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. So let us go back to Verse 1, I mean, excuse me, let us go back to, sorry, verse 5, sorry about that. Let us go back to verse 5. Now, you see when the morning appears, this is the exact same help word as when the morning dawns. It literally translates at the turning of morning. 
And if we're honest, we know all too well the fear that the Israelites experienced. How many times have we, like they, doubted God? They said, as they saw the armies of Egypt approaching, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us to die in the wilderness? Or from our mouths, that may sound like, I have been faithful all my life. Will you leave me now? Why does my health forsake me? Why doesn't my wife remember me? Why doesn't my job recognize me? Saints, take heart. God is faithful. He shows up at dawn. The immovable mountain of the Egyptian army was cast into the sea, so saints, rejoice. God is in the midst of us. All history shows that the presence of God is sufficient to give stability to his people in any circumstance. We wonder and we ponder, why don't we feel safe? Why do we experience such fear? Why do we feel the need to insulate ourselves with comfort and luxury? Why are we so anxious? Brothers and sisters, if we desire to be protected by God, we must first of all concern ourselves above all else that he dwell among us. Jesus said it clearly, didn't he? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his presence. Seek his face. And we need not fear. We need not be anxious. Is this not good news? See verse 6. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The word in verse 6 that is rage is the exact same word in Hebrew as in verse 3, roar. So we see, though the waters roar and foam, and though the nations rage, is, is very similar. Because to the Israelites, those roaring seas are the nations. Their attacks as consistent as waves upon the shore. And under these circumstances, many nations buckled under that pressure. But over and over again, we see in the Old Testament, the Lord speak and the enemies of the children of Israel vanquished. In verse 8, we are invited to reflect on this. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. You see, because repeatedly throughout the history of Israel, from the conquest of the promised land to the period of the monarchy, desolation claimed every place where the cause and crown of God was disobeyed and discarded. And as God's people, we are invited to see this. Do not fear them. Rest in this, God says, I will be exalted. The Lord of hosts is with us, verse 11. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The psalmist is proclaiming something great here. The all-powerful God of the universe who leaves the powers of this world in desolation, that God is our fortress. He proclaims both his power and glory and majesty alongside his commitment to be close. Do we believe that? Brothers and sisters, do we truly believe that God is with us? The reality of that truth eradicates fear. We must cling to this truth. We must fight to believe it every day. It will change the way we live. 
It will change our hope and ultimately it will change our eternity. So let us be blown away this morning that a holy God would be in the midst of an unholy people. And this is amazing news because now we see that as his people, we rest in the midst of his judgment. Here's my second point. We rest in the refuge of God because he will be exalted in his judgment. I'm going to go back up to verse 2 here. But now we want to move from the immediate context of the text to what it foreshadows. We see here language that clearly aims at final judgment. So here's the point. When the wrath of a holy God is kindled against the earth, those who find refuge in Christ can rest. So let us once again examine the language. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, we see very similar language in Psalm 102, 25 through 28. It says this, of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But you are the same and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. So let us not miss this, that the God who created the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth will also destroy them. He will change them like a robe. They will pass away. The immovable mountains will be cast into the heart of the sea. In response, the seas will roar and flood outside of their design barriers. Imagine with me the tallest mountains in the world, erected 30,000 feet above us, massive in structure, firm in foundation. Now imagine as if they were plucked from their place like a weed and flung into the ocean as if they were a small stone. Feel the terror that would grip your heart as the earth and all that is in it gives way. It would be a fear so paralyzing that death would surely be a better option. We would be like those in Revelation 6 who cry out to the mountains, crush us. God's judgment and face is too great. But we have a covenant-keeping, faithful God, therefore we need not fear. We have a God who stays the same, verse 27. And so, because of who God is, we dwell secure in the midst of the earth's destruction. And this is not only a promise for now, our God is never changing. Let us go back to verse 1 this time and put your finger on the word trouble. That word trouble here is plural, meaning that the psalmist is anticipating that God will be a present help for his next trouble and every trouble that is to follow. We see this beautifully illustrated in verse 28 of Psalms 102. The children of your servants shall dwell secure, and their offspring shall be established before you. So this is a never-ending security for all who belong to Christ from generation to generation. Therefore, now until eternity, yes, and even in the midst of judgment, we need not fear because of who God is is. Because he is never changing, we rest secure in him. He is 
eternally good, kind, loving, gracious, and satisfying. We see this exemplified even more in verse 4 once again. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Brothers and sisters, it is not ultimately as citizens of the city of Gastonia that we will experience the fullness of God as refuge. But there is a city coming. We see this in Revelations 21 and 22. Revelations 21, 23 says this, and the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the lamp is the lamb. 22 start, chapter 22 starts like this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystals flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street. And we jump down to verse 4 where it says that they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign with him forever. So, brothers and sisters, though the earth gives way to the judgment of God, we need not fear. For us comes a new heaven and a new earth. There is coming for us a city where we will be made glad and satisfied in God continually and forever. There God will be in our midst like never before. We will no longer see in part as if looking in a dim mirror, but we will see God face to face. He will be our light and we will reign with him forever. No, we will not fear when the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. We will welcome it. We will say, come, Lord Jesus. Does this truth make you desperate for heaven? We must not cling to this city. We must long for that one. We see the nations roaring. We see the tottering kingdoms of this world. They have built high their societies and amassed towering cultures against the word of God. But those nations rage in vain and their destruction. Verse 6. He will utter his voice. The earth will melt. And their destruction will be as decisive as in creation when the Lord spoke. This is why Isaiah said in Isaiah 20, Woe to those who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. The destination for the chariot and every other method of security is destruction. Christ alone saves. Heed his warning. Verses 8 and 9, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. The efforts of this world, of those who stand against God, are indeed in vain. Desolation is the fate of all who take refuge outside of him. And yes, peace is coming, but it will come through destruction. It will all burn, and only those who have found their refuge in Christ will experience the peace that comes after. Only those who have found their refuge in Christ need not fear. So here's my so what. Are you resting in the refuge 
of who God is. Like right now, in this moment, when you go home today, are you currently resting in who God is? Are you grappling with the truths of God's nature proclaimed in Psalms 46? Verses 7 and 11, though the the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. See this, brothers and sisters. God is both the Lord of hosts and the God of Jacob. Now let us wrestle with the balance. The Lord of hosts, the God of heaven's armies, whose sole purpose is the desolation of the unjust, is who our God is, while he is equally the God of Jacob, who is with us and for us, who is our fortress. He has chosen to call us righteous, not by works or of our merit, but by the merit of his mercy. He is equally grace and judgment, and the psalmist is pleading with us, acknowledge it, see it, wrap your minds around it. Think about it. If he is only grace, we need fear man. There is no rest in a world without judgment, but if he is only judgment, how certain our destruction. There is no hope in a world without grace. Thank God that he is perfectly just and gracious. Therefore, we shall not fear, we rest. And not because in our wisdom we have found it fit to make God our refuge. If our refuge rests on our wisdom, we are destined for destruction. But in God's wisdom, he made a way to justly pour out his wrath while saving sinners. That we may have a refuge in Christ. Oh, how beautiful and wonderful the cross where Jesus took our sin and shame upon himself, where the wrath of God was poured out on the sinless son. That we sinners may take refuge in God that we may be called righteous. We would have no rest in God if not for the sacrifice of Christ. So let us not forget, brothers and sisters, we are not good. Our portion should be fear. Our portion should be death. Our portion should be hell. But instead, God is our portion and he is in the midst of us. What a beautiful exchange. So church, hear the edict set forth by God. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is literally translated, stop. Acknowledge that I am God. So hear the invitation. To those of you who are raging in your heart, heed the warning, see the desolation of those who oppose him. He will be exalted in this life or the next. Be assured that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And for those of us who have seen, understand, we see God's glory only because he saw fit to be exalted among us. We rest because those who were once far off have been brought near Let this blow us away that the Lord of hosts is with us. We see this tangibly in John 1, 14. 
and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jump down to verse 16. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace has been poured out upon us, saints, that we may rest. Grace for now and grace for eternity. He will be exalted. He has been exalted amongst his church. We exalt in him as our God, our refuge, our peace, our portion. And trust that he will be exalted among the nations and among the earth in his return. Hear me clearly, saints. Christ is coming. He came to die, but he will come to reign. On a donkey he came, but he will come on a warrior horse. He came as a humble servant, but he will return as an exalted king. He came in weakness, he will return in power. He came to save, he will return to judge. He came in love, he will return in wrath. He came with 12 disciples, he will return with an army of angels. He came with the crown of thorns, he will return with the crown of glory. And not this time will he come as a servant, suffering servant, but he will return as king of kings and Lord of lords. So let us now see who he is, trust what he has done, hear his invitation, and rest. Let us pray to that end. Father, your word is clear. You are a strong refuge. And so, Father, we pray that you, would, that you would help us to see you in that light, in that truth. Oh, God, let your word impact our hearts and teach us to rest in you and hope in your salvation, to hope in your return. Teach us to long for heaven, oh, God. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.